0: Seeing AI in business applications is going to be seeing like color TV, you don't need to say that, it's redundant, because it's going to be an inherent fabric of every business application out there. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go.
1: Sangram here, and welcome to another episode of Flip My phone Podcast. I was so excited hearing Chandar uh, talk about a category leadership, what a modern CMO need to think about, and also really, really interesting, as you talked about, a journey of somebody who is a specialist and if they want to be a CMO, what, is, what are the things that they need to think about? So there was a lot of really, really interesting conversations. So we invited Chandra again to to talk more about, uh, in, in general, when we think about different topics, there's this whole idea around AI and marketing, how do they intersect, and also the idea of stairway to customer heaven. So those are a couple of topics that we're going to kind of riff on. But again, if you haven't heard last time when Chandra was on this podcast, go check it out. But Chander currently is the CMO of Coupa. He was a CMO of Marketo. He's on one of the board of advisors for Gainsight and has been a veteran in the B2B marketing space. Very well-known person out there. If you're in marketing, you must follow him and has really kind of built big public company marketing organizations. And when you think about that, I mean, that requires a different level of scale, sophistication, understanding, alignment across the organization. One of the things we touched on last time was also what's the difference between a horseman model and an all-bound model, which is a big, big, big idea when it comes to marketing and sales alignment in a high growth. So check that out. But Chandra, I just wanted to welcome you again for the Flip Maffle podcast.
0: Great. I'm happy to be here and uh, great to share perspectives today. Thank you, Sangram, again for inviting me.
1: Of course, man. I think let's just dive right into it. What are your thoughts on AI? Well, that's, that's
0: the 64,000 <laughs> that dollars. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's an interesting thing of AI and marketing. Now, you know, the way I look at it is that when I was growing up in India in 1980s, we used to say TV and color TV because we only had color TVs introduced in India in the 1980s. So we used to say TVs and color TV, and they need to have a distinction because the TV was black and white TV and then it was color TV. And pretty soon, and today in today's world, we never say color TV because all TVs <laughs> is color TV. Right. And that's the same analogy I would use, is that today we say AI and applications as kind of, hey, listen, AI is kind of a, a separate component, but pretty soon saying AI and business applications is going to be saying like color TV. You don't need to say that. It's redundant because it's going to be an inherent fabric of every business application out there. Now, what we've got to understand is that when we say AI, there's two aspects of it. There's machine learning and AI. And the great Jeffrey Moore has a very beautiful, sexy way of, showing, of, of, of of illustrating the difference. He we we talks about artificial intelligence. He says artificial intelligence is about emulating human behavior, whereas machine learning is about simulating human behavior with mathematical force. So a lot of stuff that is happening in marketing today is the latter with machine learning, whether we're using it for predictive lead scoring or ideal customer profile or, or, or social marketing or, or even driving programmatic ad buying, et cetera, is on the machine learning landscape as opposed to the AI true kind of emulating human intelligence landscape. And, and that's a matter of time. So it's a lot of microservices happening in pure AI, whereas we've seen a lot more machine learning use cases uh, in, in marketing today.
1: Yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing that definition because I don't think I still truly understand the difference between AI and machine learning. I think most people just talk about it more interchangeably, like AI and machine learning. And I I think more and more people need to understand, no, those are like completely different things. Where do you see the intersection between AI and marketing happening? Or how do you you see marketing leveraging or harnessing the power of AI? Yeah, I
0: think, as you talked about, I think, you know, I think marketing is starting to leverage the power of AI in terms of the machine learning aspects of it. Again, I can look at it as a, as, as a building, as a kind of a stepping stone of you can use machine learning and then AI on top. But there's a lot of machine learning paradigms being used across different software applications, whether that's in predictive lead scoring, whether that is in programmatic ad buying, whether that's in social media influence. And I'll give you Cooper as an example, right? We are investing heavily in a game changing component for us called community intelligence. Where we're using the collective intellect of all our customers to make the experience for the next customer that much more smarter by using this collective data set and using prescriptive intelligence using machine learning on top of that to say that hey, if you're buying a laptop or if you're choosing this supplier the collective community intelligence says that this is the best price to get, or this is the best supplier to get. And, and, and basically the, the idea there is the, none of us are as smart as all of us and using those paradigms. So there are those machine learning use cases happening, but when it comes to pure emulation of human behavior, I think we are in the top of the second inning when it comes to marketing and doing that using a baseball analogy.
1: I love that, man. Now, you also have been really excited and you're talking about the idea of the stairway to customer heaven, where you've been thinking about like, well, market needs to start investing beyond just the acquisition side of the house. And I think one of the things or stats that you've been quoting is that 87% of B2B spend is still in acquisition and we need to change that. Can you riff on that for a little bit?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan growing up, and, and obviously "Stairway to Heaven" is a great song. I kind of look at this model where ultimately, you know, in in, in if you look at the SaaS business, there's the, I call the Mufasa metrics, the two metrics that really matter at the end of the day is that the the, the king of all metrics would be one is are you driving lifetime value, and two are you driving enough advocates. But the simple idea there is that if somebody is staying with you longer, paying you more and shouting from the rooftop, <laughs> invariably you're doing good as a business. It's a right. simple way of looking at it. So in that context, the stereo to heaven is to drive the lifetime value. You have to look at how you're driving marketing to enrich the experience at every stage of the life cycle, just not acquisition. And the stereo to heaven would be, in this case, would be acquisition, driving adoption, driving cross-sell, driving advocacy, and ultimately driving lifetime value at the end of the day. And so... What happens in marketing is, and we talked about in the previous podcast about All Bound as an example of sales and marketing alignment, that significant amount of spend happens in marketing to drive this acquisition of these prospects. And very little investment happens in the balancing the boat in terms of people dollars and program dollars for adoption marketing, for retention cross-sell marketing, as well as advocacy marketing. And what we're seeing is that that shift happening so that you have to invest in every stage of the life cycle to make sure that ultimately you're driving lifetime value. So to give an example, when I got to Markello, we had zero dedicated people doing cross-sell marketing, adoption marketing, et cetera. And then when we left, we had dedicated teams for adoption marketing, meaning if you're selling people software, are you making sure that they're adopting this software? Because if they don't adopt it, it's highly unlikely they're going to buy additional products and services from you. So drive acquisition, dedicated programs for adoption, and then figure out the right place to market the right products to the customer at the buying at the stage of the life cycle, and then an independent work on advocacy marketing because we're living in a peer bond world where more and more advocates are influencing buys as much as the vendor themselves. So that's why what I wanted to riff on is that when we look at the design of marketing dollars and marketing people, we have to look at the stairway as opposed to just the first step of the stairway.
1: Yeah, I'm really getting curious about this idea now. When you put the budget together in marketing, typically the budget and you know having run marketing at, at product and at salesforce and others like it's typically yeah. you know the, the the budget is like well here's the budget that marketing get and how many yeah. you know, most companies have like how many leads are you gonna you'll be driving and demand you're gonna be generating and i haven't heard many cfos talk about or enough cmos talk about like hey here give me budget give me more budget or give me i want to take part of my budget and put it in upsell cross sell or or more of the adoption and expansion and advocacy part of it and even if, and even if they if they have it it is typically a very small percentage of the overall budget are you recommending that that needs to change and they need to have more budget in those areas
0: Absolutely, you know. Ultimately, the the metric that matters is: are you driving lifetime value and advocacy for your business? That's the most possible metric, as they say. But having said that, it's very difficult for someone to turn around and say that I'm going to spend 75% 50% of my budget in that. Right. So right now, if as a rule of thumb, I say that at least 25 to 30% of your budget should be allocated in people and program dollars to drive the second, third, and fourth step of the stairway to heaven I talked about, which is are we investing in these adoption cross-sell advocacy and those areas of customer advocacy and customer marketing as much as we're investing in, ad, in, in in acquisition marketing. If you're not doing that 25%, at least, I would say you need to reevaluate that because ultimately your success as a business is, is, is pretty short side of view of looking at just acquisition and holistically, you need to start looking at lifetime value as the driver for the company.
1: Yeah, I love that, man. And and I think that's a really big idea as I was making notes on this, is about spending about 25%. Now, at the same time, there's all this talk, and, and I'm sure you are very familiar with this, well, CMOs, you know, typically have three years or two years of lifetime, like, you know, how, how long they are in most organizations as CMOs, because it's, it seems like it's more of a revolving door. And when you think about programs like this, you look, you think about the lifetime value and you're talking about advocacy, then, you know, what it means that, well, you're there to stay and you want to see your company succeed. And that means you're investing in getting your, you know, the company's dollars in the right direction, because the long long-term success of your company depends on the investments like this now. So wh- how how do you say you know I'm I'm wondering just like is there like is there a reason why more CMOs are like so focused on acquisition because that's what they're tasked with and and if so. How would we change that? How do we change that?
0: I think it starts with mindset and it starts with alignment, just not with the head of sales, but with the chief customer officer as well as the CFO. Mm-hmm. And because we're only aligning with the sales executive, well, in many cases, is responsible for the acquisition number. Right. Then you're kind of going down the, the, the path known before, which is, OK, I'm going to drive leads leads to pipeline that leads to bookings. And I get out of dodge with saying that I've done, you know, 40, 50 percent of bookings were sourced from marketing, et cetera. And we've, and we've kind of t- talked about the shift in that from going from that to an all bond model. We've already talked about that. Right. But it also talks about right. if, if a CMO needs to get that seat of the table across with the CFO and with the chief customer officer, then he or she needs to be talking about, hey, listen, I'm also about driving, increasing the subscription dollar retention rate for the company, mm-hmm. as well as driving advocacy, as well as driving all this the marketing the right products at the right time for driving cross sell and start saying that how can I have financial impact just not through acquisition, but across the organization and start with those metrics. And and I'm not saying go spend 60% of your dollars there, but start off with saying that I'm going to allocate 25% of my people and program dollars there as a starting point. And pretty soon you can come back, and some of, and, and none of this is very causal, but it's a lot of correlation here, and saying that based on these programs, we have seen some correlated impact of increased engagement by community, more brand advocates, more retention, as well as more increase in cross sell, etc. And start using those metrics to showcase as much as the acquisition metrics.
1: I love that. I think that may be the big, big biggest takeaway for people is is people need to show that some of these programs are working. And that's how you actually get more consensus in the organization as opposed to saying, hey, we need to be doing that. So let's just give me more and more budget on it. So all right. So let's to to recap. I love what you started off with when I asked you and literally pretty pretty much threw up on you saying, what do you think about AI? But you handled it gracefully and said, well, look, you know, people have been thinking about these things and the definitions, as you as you pointed out, AI is emulating human behavior, whereas Machine learning is simulating and, and people need to recognize the differences between those. And the fact that you're doing some of that at Coupa, which is a public company, high growth, it just speaks to the volume that there's so much out there. There's so much data that people really need to start thinking about. It. And especially as a marketer, you have access to all these different data points. So it's it's about time for you to start pulling all these things together. Now, more excitingly, I think the part that you really riffed on that was really cool was the fact that where are the marketing dollars going? As a CMO, if you are spending 100% of your money on acquisition... Then maybe it's time to rethink your priorities and 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 really educate your organization. Your uh, not only the chief revenue or chief sales officer, but also get your chief customer officer and CEO to bring back and say, look, you're also in the same way looking at the lifetime value and advocacy. Because if you have those two things, you as a matter of fact, your pressure on the number of leads will go down if your win rate is better and your retention rate is better. And a lot of times, yeah. as as a startup founder. I've realized that, man, it's all about retention. It's not about acquisition, but actually it's all about retention. If I can retain 100% of my customer and if you have net negative churn rate, then actually I have a healthier business, more profitable business more successful business, and as to your point, have a greater lifetime value for my customer, it's, it's, it's much better than actually having more acquisition cost and more pipeline revenue. So, I think you just echoed a lot of the feelings that I had around just building a company and now thinking about what well, marketing is not just as a co founder. I think about it, but I think you're making a point that as, as a marketing executive, you need to think about it even more because you have the ability to impact those numbers. So, great summary, Sangram, you nailed it. That's awesome, man. Well, as always, we always give, uh, we would love for you to give some parting advice. And uh, as, as, as I've shared, this is a community of B2B marketing and sales professionals. Last time when you were on the podcast, I think your advice was like, hey, you know, let's just, let's just get more disciplined around the, the scale and the authenticity that you need to have as part of your career. The more authentic you are, uh, and the more uh, understand the value of scale and how you do that, how you deliver that, that really, really matters. I'm curious that is as you're a marketer, you're a CMO, what advice would you give the sales team, just kind of flipping it over, to how do they work with marketers better? Because I think there's always this conversation, marketers, you need to work better with sales. And um, now I'm opening up to you, is like, well, what, how, what can sales do to get marketing's buying and bring marketing ahead so that they're not waiting until the end?
0: I think it, it is it is about having that trust, and in any relationship, whether you, have, whether you have with your partner, whether you have with your boss, whether you have with your employees, whether you have with your peers, it all starts with trust, and it all starts with saying that hey, listen, we are in this together. And one way to do that is for sales to understand that if you design a marketing organization where the metrics are the same as sales success, and not having separate success, same regenerative leads, blah blah blah, and sales first understand that we are incenting our teams to based on your success. And we succeed only if you succeed. And for them to understand that and then kind of lean in based on that, it'll be a great start for that. And you have to design metrics that way, but ultimately sales to understand we're in it together. That's one. The second thing I would say is that a lot of times we've talked about demand gen and stuff, but it comes to, you know, bottom of the funnel, product marketing, messaging, positioning. I think it's very important for sales and marketing to work in unison, and not marketing throw something over the wall and say, here's some great messaging, but collectively do this and sales to bring that closed loop feedback into marketing, saying, Hey man, I use this deck. Some of this is not working. Some of it is, and not bring that close loop feedback rather than saying, yeah, you guys gave me something. I'm going to go rogue and create my own messaging, etc." You can never scale a company that way. Yeah. So having sales to be joint partners, both in the bottom of the funnel messaging and positioning and bring that feedback in and say, how do we collectively make this better together, as well as being joint partners and saying, we are driving the same set of pipeline and alignment metrics is a great way to say that it all boils down to trust. It starts with trust and it ends with trust.
1: I love that. I love that. That's a great summary. Chandar, again, thank you so much for being on the Flip My Funnel repeat guest. And it's really exciting to hear a fellow CMO sharing their journey, their story. So we'll be following along, man.
0: Awesome. Great. Thanks for the opportunity and have a great day. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.